Hey, what's going on? Howie Spangler here. Tales from the Green Room, episode 63, I think. It's been way too long, and I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I'm super busy here at home. I've just been trying to, like, every morning I wake up, and, uh, oh, this is episode 63, yeah, episode 63. Um, every morning I wake up, and I'm like, all right, I gotta do a podcast today, I gotta do a podcast today. People are counting on me, and then shit happens, and I don't get it done. So uh, today I made a point to get something done. wasn't sure what I was going to talk about, so I called my friend Jeffrey James, see if he was interested, and he was interested. So we talked today um, about songwriting, what it's like to live the life as a songwriter. This guy, he actually, um, he's an artist, but he also, uh, he's a great singer, really awesome voice, but he... uh, um, uh, rights for other artists as well. <clears throat> so sorry, my voice is a little weird today. Um, allergies, dude, been crushing me last few days. Sleeping with the window open too, and it's just nice out, you know. I don't want to have the air on. I want, I want to have the, the windows open and all that pollen, I guess, coming in. And my my place backs to the woods, you know. So it's just <clears throat> sorry to cough in your ear. Uh, what's going on lately? Uh, let's let's find out. What's happening? Uh, what's happening? Oh my God! What's happening? Uh, Ballyhoo show is coming up next weekend. Um, we're gonna be heading to Florida, actually. Um, load up, load up the old BallyhooRocks.com here. Um, going to Florida, and we're playing some shows, and we will be. Let's see, Friday, May 3rd, which is Donald's birthday. My brother, our drummer, it's his birthday. Uh, he's going to be 21. Everybody come bring lots of beers and stuff for him. Uh, New Smyrna Beach, May 3rd, next Friday. Next Saturday, we're going to be at Debauchery in Melbourne. And then Sunfest on uh, Cinco de Mayo. Um, it's us, Stick Figure, Keith Urban, Little Dicky, you know. Wild, crazy event. It's one of the weirdest lineups I've, I've ever seen. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Revolution's playing that weekend as well. Not the same day as us, but... Uh, and then we've got Cali Roots in Monterey, California, May 24th. Brew at the Zoo back here in Baltimore, May 26th. Just booked uh, June 7th at Gilligan's Pier in Newburgh, Maryland. Uh, June 21st, Jellyfish, Jellyfish Festival in Ocean City. Maryland. Uh, June 22nd, flying to Denver, doing the Denver Deluxe Festival with G-Love. Um, and that following weekend, we're uh, going to be in Rhode Island at Patty's Beach Club again, Westerly, uh, June 28th. Uh, June 29th, we're going to be in uh, Wontog, New York at Mulcahy's. And June 30th, we're doing that Boston Boat Cruise again. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, come out for that. Uh, it's recording, you know, getting some stuff done. I'm, I'm about done with this mix for Renegade. Pretty stoked on it. Um, just checking out masters now and listening, seeing what needs to be tightened up, things like that. Uh, hopefully having art done. And uh, I should have a release day for you all very soon. Um, if you're not following on Instagram, hit me up on Instagram, Howie Spangler. 
Uh, hit me on YouTube, Howie Spangler. Um, send me some questions. What should, what should I talk about? You know, let me know. Uh, big ups to the supporters out there. Thank you so much. If you want to support the podcast, go to uh, talesfromthegreenroom.com. Hit the support the podcast button. Um, yeah, we're just moving forward here. Uh, so, yes, again, today my guest is Jeffrey James, a handsome fella with a wonderful voice um, who is a songwriter. And uh, he's got some mu- new music coming out very soon. I'll put the link in the description. Uh, make sure you give him a follow. Say what's up. Tell him I sent you. Uh, he's a good dude. We've written some songs before together. He actually wrote uh, the song Roller Coaster that ended up on the Ballyhoo Girls album. Um, one of my favorites from that record. So, uh, yeah, everybody give it up for Jeffrey James. Jeffrey, what's going on, man? Yo, Mr. Howie, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, good, good to hear your voice. Dude, I know. It's been, uh, we were just saying it's been a second. It's probably been uh, man, better part of a year or so, maybe maybe longer that we've, since we've hung out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it was 2018. Yeah, because I, I, we did a little writing sesh. Beginning of last year it would have been then, yeah. Yeah, it was like February, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such is our world, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, you were saying you, uh, you you did some recording in London. Yeah, I was uh, um, lucky enough to get connected with some producers late last year who um, some producers and some managers of, of some producers who work out of London and it spurred um, a trip out there. I went out there for about two and a half weeks and kind of wrote all over, all over the city, uh, met some different people through some different publishing companies and really connected with like three producers out there and wrote some songs that I loved. And so this year, mid January through about mid February of this year, I went out there for a full month and was, was, you know, finishing up songs and, and recording them. And now I have a, uh, an EP that I'm going to release later this, this year. Oh, it's so cool, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So what, you wrote some songs that were, were you intending to write them for someone else or were you, were you set this on? Was, yeah, this was all, you know, I spent the better part of last year either collabing with like DJs or mostly writing for people like you and other artists, you know, just seeing what I could do, you know, stretching my muscles a little more, flexing my muscles a little more, writing for other people. And end of last year was kind of, the, I, went, I went to London like, all right, I'm going to just focus on writing for Jeffrey James. And, and kind of went into the city and, and got inspired. You know, it was a city I'd never been in, and I was living there alone. for the long, You know, usually when you're traveling for music, you're, you know, traveling with a band or with a manager or something. Right. And I was fully, I had an Airbnb, like a one-bedroom flat by myself, and I was there. So it was a bit of like kind of being on a hiatus from your real life, I think, and then also meeting people. You know, I think they, they also were like, ooh, there's Americans coming in in the same way that like if, a, if a, someone from England came to the States and I was riding with them, I'd probably put them in a in a different place than someone who I'm just riding with who lives in the same city as me, you know? Right. And so for whatever it was, I kind of I really got inspired and, and, and just just dove into writing stuff for myself. And, and that turned out, I think, really well. That's great, man. It's the best when you just kind of discover inspiration sort of out of nowhere. Um, you know, cause yeah, like, yeah, hard, cause you know that, that stuff, yeah, you know, that stuff, I'm sure, you know, you know, writing for, for the Ballyhoo stuff, that stuff, it can kind of, 
come and go, right? You know, where you're just like, sometimes you just kind of aimlessly writing and then there might be a week where it's like everything that comes out is so pointed and connected to the other songs and it just like makes sense and you can't really always control when that's going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, definitely wish I could. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> just turn yeah. it on and leave it on. That would be amazing, and we'd all be uh, much better off. That was <laughs> we'd be super rich. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, what what kind of tunes? Any is, is it? Uh, would you consider it like uh, more of a stretch from what you normally do, or is it is it in the same vein? Or are you exploring? I yeah, I don't think it's too much of a stretch. Um, it's still in that kind of classic pop songs. You know, somewhere between. Um, Sam Smith and James Arthur meets like ex ambassadors with some of my more up tempo things, but it's really just like honestly piano based pop music. Um, kind of the stuff that that fits best with my voice and that I really connect with. And I think my, my fans that's the stuff they really connect with. So I, I unashamedly am leaning into that because I love writing that stuff. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a British tinge to it. I think you know. I, I say that only because I did it in England, so maybe I'm, I'm imagining that. But, <laughs> but uh, like you know, one or two songs definitely feel like one song. I was like, ooh, this is like my British pop ballad, you know, um, and you know, like my Coldplay pop ballad kind of thing. Um, but again, I could be putting that on just because I wrote it there. Yeah, I mean that would be cool if uh, you know when it comes out and people start listening, and maybe it, maybe it has like a you, you went away with that authenticity you know, from just from being there and, and having worked with, you know, engineers and things like that from over there. Um, that's, that's Yeah, I think, you know, because people, uh, the, the producers I was working with, you know, they, everybody has their natural influences that we all write from, right? Sure. You know, we kind of can't hide from what we grew up listening to, whether we want to or not. Um, so true. And so for me, it was like bands like Chicago and the Dewey Brothers and then like uh, Bill Withers kind of stuff that I always like, Anytime I hear something, I can hear the influence there. Whether you know, I, I listen. I don't. I listen to lots of current music, but that stuff's always there, you know. Um, and so I'm writing with these guys who have these influences of of these British pop bands or British rock bands that I've never even heard of, and that's what they're pulling from. So I think it's a cool, it's a cool hybrid of of everyone's world. That's great, man. I can't wait to hear this stuff. Yeah, you're. Uh, <clears throat> when I first um, when I first met you, um, God, this is like. 2015 um mm -hmm. and uh I, I guess randy we we share management um sent me uh, so a couple of your songs um and one of them was roller coaster which ended up on the the girls album yeah dude and that was definitely one of my favorite tracks on the record it was the most different and um was probably the furthest we had gone as far as like any sort of like <clears throat> like pop and production and stuff. Um, and there was, I don't know, there was just, there was something cool about it that I thought would fit. And uh, when I heard your voice in the demo, I was like, holy fuck, who's this guy? You know, <laughs> so this, this really cool voice, like R&B vibe going on. And it's like, um, you hit the trills and it's just, I don't know, you got this kind of like deep, uh, big bottom thing happening. And, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's rad. So like when you wrote, you sent the track over, um, I wasn't sure what to do with it. I was, I remember um, we were in the studio and we're like, well, there's this one song that, uh, that Randy sent me and I just kind of started messing around with it. 
And um, I somehow was able to kind of massage it into, you know, be more of like a Ballyhoo song. And I think it worked out really nicely. And I just love like the lyrics. And that's one thing too, like when, I, when I'm writing with someone or, you know, as someone's pitching me lyrics, like I don't, I'm always uh, weird about that in the first place because I want to be able to, you know, get behind the lyrics. Connect with it, yeah. Con- connect, because yeah. I'll be the one singing it forever and I don't want to be like telling a lie or something, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, but I mean, the song, the, the, the subject matter was so relatable, you know? And some of the words weren't exactly the words that I typically use, but I thought it was cool and just just different enough, you know. And we were able to turn it into this cool track for the for the record, you know. So thank you very much, dude. I'm, I was so happy when that worked out, you know. Um, big props to our, our manager there because he was the one initially that heard heard that that work tape I made and was like, dude, I actually think I know a band that might be able to crush this. Um, and that's you know. Back to songwriting, that's that's kind of the thing about if it's if it's a good song, it can kind of translate in lots of ways. Um, and it's funny, I need to go back and listen to the work tape because you're right. The, the work tape we made, I, you know, I wrote it. Um, it was like you know, like acoustic soul song at the time, right? Yeah, it was um, super super rough and bare bones and yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just got I, I I was able to hear what you were trying to do with it, and once I started messing with it, I was like, okay, we can definitely do something with this. Totally. And you, and you, you guys crushed it, which is again, like it's the combo of like it being a good song, you know, if I can wag my own tail and then also like you guys having the talent and the skills to be able to like make it your own 100% um, was really, really cool. Yeah. It was um, again, one of the standout tracks for me on the record and uh, we still get requests for it and stuff. It shows. Hell yeah. A lot of girls, you know, like, play roller coaster. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so let's go back. When did you, um, when did you first start uh, writing songs? Man, I actually started writing songs um, in high school when I think a lot of people start. Um, I kind of accidentally found myself in a, uh, a little, like, garage band in Indiana, where I'm from. Um, this drummer in high school... Um, I was like a choir kid basically, but I, you know, I had been taking guitar lessons for a long time just because music was kind of in my family. And I was in like class in high school and this kid behind me was like, I'm a drummer and I have a band, but we don't have a singer right now. And I turned around and I was like, I can sing. <laughs> um, not knowing what kind of music it was or whatever. And, and found myself like a week later in his, in, on the weekend in his garage with him and a guitar player. And they were going to show me a song that they had like, just instrumentally written and they you know, wanted like afterwards they're like all right listen to it and we'll play it a couple times and maybe we'll see if we can write something and like man i shit you not halfway through the song i got an idea for a melody and some lyrics and i started like incessantly like writing down i don't know if incessantly is the right word but you know quickly writing down <laughs> um my idea and by the time they had finished i had about half a song written um and you know not that it was the best song in the world it was the first song i wrote but it was like, uh, um, it was kind of cool. And I kind of got the bug then. So once that band broke up three months later, <laughs> we played, we played like one, one show. I think we had just enough songs to like play a 10 minute set or something. Uh, so like four songs or whatever it was, 15 minute set and, uh, broke up and I was like, Oh, I wonder if I can keep writing songs. So, cause I already played guitar. So I just started writing some stuff on my own and, you know, got me here. That's so cool, man. Um, 
<clears throat> yeah, it was uh, getting into it young. That's for sure. I think I started writing songs when I was 12 or 13. And uh, it's mostly lyrics. I didn't know how to play guitar yet. And um, then when I finally learned how to play guitar, I learned a few, I learned how to make a power chord. And then it was just over from there. It was like just, <laughs> you know, I could play anything. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I started taking the, the words and putting it to the guitar and stuff. Um, and would just, you were you writing like was it more like poetry kind of stuff you would say? No, I was I was writing a song structured, you know, things oriented like for you know like I was going to sing it, you know, nothing. I never really got into writing anything like long form and like super weird and out there. Just I, I'm like I just I always kept it simple, you know. And yeah. Like even when I write now, when I write down things like my it, it's a sentence then another sentence then it's like four sentences and then okay there's the first paragraph is the first verse and then you like the pre-chorus is like two sentences and then you got the chorus which is like four to eight you know sentences or whatever you know that's in my mind sure. that's how i break it down and it's always very it's very formulaic when you look at it if you were to look at all my my lyric sheets over the years um <clears throat> and because i i just know the structure that i'm going for um i know how many syllables i need things like that and uh I think it goes back to that natural kind of thing that you kind of have to have if you're a songwriter, right? Is where it's like, you might even not even think about it, but I'll, I'll look up if I, if a song's feeling good to me when I'm writing it, I look up and it's like, okay, that song is three minutes and 30 seconds long, like every friggin' time, you know? Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but it's always in that sweet spot. And that's, you do it without even thinking about it just because that's what feels good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I'll, I'll be sitting there just writing and I'll, I'll just kind of get a feel like, okay, you know, usually it's like eight bars for a verse. Everything's like eight bars for me, you know, pre-chorus is maybe four bars, but like it's, I just kind of know where we're going to, where we're going to end up. And then like, if the, if the song ends up being too short or too long, you know, we just figure out what parts to repeat or what parts to cut. Like that, that's, that's, what's great about it. Like, um, especially having, having your own studio and things like that, like, and, and, time to work on stuff like you can you can flesh you can kind of get it all out there like create a skeleton and then just start a, just start like arranging the skeleton you know um i've done that so many times where like i'll get through front to back and i'm like wait there needs got to be something else it's not long enough it's like we're only at 230 right now you know i need this to be like 315 at least you know and yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll take like i'll either write a post chorus or add a guitar solo or something, you know, some kind of instrumental breakdown or something or repeat a third verse, you know, whatever. But, um, there's a lot of ways to do it. It's just a lot of fun though. Man, it is. But it's, it's again, like you said, it's not that the song has to be longer, but you feel that it needs to be longer. It's that like internal, like I've written a bunch of songs at this point and it just feels like I want the song, you know, is insisting on adding on being more, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really cool when you get to that point where it just it's it's so much so much feel as it is talent or anything else. How many times have you had how many like aha moments have there been like you know like say you're you're writing a song for sometimes months sometimes years like I'm I'm writing songs I don't know about you you can probably crank them out but um, I I just uh, I've had songs that have been sitting around for years or, or whatever and like I'll go back and revisit every now and then <clears throat> and then like something happens and it's just like oh shit like th this I i'm gonna add this part and then it's it's like done it's like it, it's a song now you know like you just feel yeah, like absolutely, you, man. Just, you just feel like there's 
there's something missing. If there's something, it's not. It, it's just not a whole song yet. Not not even if it's if it's not long enough. But like maybe there's a part that's just not. You're not feeling it. Like it's it's not doing it for you. You know. Um, yeah. The, the, you know, no, that happens to me all the time, man. And sometimes it's it's you know coming from Nashville, I come in a world of of like co-writing is 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 king here. That's you know uh, started from the old form of like you know two or three writers and country music. That's where Nashville started. And now, you know, obviously I don't do country music. Every, everything is in Nashville, but, uh, or any kind of style of music is in Nashville. But, like, sometimes it's, it's bringing in another perspective or, like you said, your own perspective of coming back a day or two or months later and being like, oh, I was thinking about this song completely differently. and Or someone else coming into the room and looking at it completely differently. And then, and then the right thing, like, pops in. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a moment on um, our new record detonate the the, the track detonate. Um, I'd written it in 2012, and it just kind of sat around and didn't. It wasn't going to fit on the girls' record, so we didn't even bother because it's just a heavy kind of pop punk song. And um, the when we went back to actually record it, um, the verses <clears throat> it was like it kind of stayed at this kind of mid tempo, like kind of Green Day like sort of vibe, um, and it just wasn't. I don't know, the, the the energy seemed to be lost from like the, the big opening and then the choruses. Like it's just like, even though verses should, you know, typically verses are usually like a little more calm and then, and then the chorus opens up and gets bigger. Mm -hmm. um, and the verse kind of allows you to tell the story. But like at the same time, I was like, yeah, but like is there, there's still like, I feel like I'm telling a cool story, but the music bed isn't really, isn't really helping this. And yeah, so we were trying to figure it out and like we decided... We said, I was like, yo, what about what about taking the drums and just and doing like a skate punk beat? So it's like fast, like just real fast, do that, do that, do that, you know. Um, and then it, then in the chorus, it drops down to this this cut time, you know, like mid two thousands pop punk type of thing. And that right there just changed the whole vibe of the song. Like I was like, fuck yes, this is this is it right here, you know. Those are That's like cool, man. And how, how long were you, you know, it's, it's easy. It's easy. It's funny when you're talking to people, it's easy to say like, Oh yeah, we were sitting with it. And then we thought of this, but like, honestly, how long were you sitting with it knowing it was wrong before you guys thought of that drum part? It was, it was, it like, it was written in 2012. And then I started thinking about it probably uh, see, we recorded January, 2018. So um, I was thinking about it in like mid 2017. So probably like, you know, six, seven okay. months. And I'm yeah, just yeah. like, there's something not right. Like, because it, at that point, like, you know, I'm at 2017, I was, that song was written five years before that. So, you know, you get a lot of, you know, you're writing all the time. So you, you get a lot of like, you kind of change your style or maybe your approach and think little things happen and your producer brain gets, gets better and better. And you think about ways, yeah. always think about ways to make things better. And that's just when it happened. And, then, and we got into the studio and it was like, okay, well, I got to like, I still did not know what we were going to do. And it was like last second, you know, like, cause we only had eight days to do this. Um, and, uh, we just, I was like, try this skate punk thing, see what happens. And then he tried it a couple of times. He was, couldn't really get it at first. It was cause it was kind of weird going through the, uh, cause it was like faster and then slower and then faster. And then finally he did it. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like it, it just, I don't know, just changed it. And yeah, so there was, you know, so six years later, the, the song is, is finished, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Cause that's, that's just that's like, 
it's always a process. Like it's never, mm. even when it's quick, like it's, it, I feel like if, if I write a song quickly, there's always something missing from it. You need that, that, that space and that perspective of like, okay, this needs to be thought out more. And like, what, what, what can be added? Because writing a song, like I've written songs in an hour and a half before, but there's always something when I go back, it's like, oh shoot. Okay. Now that I see it, I, you know, I, I didn't see the whole picture. I just saw where my perspective was and now it needs to, I can change it and make it better because of that. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes like, I remember getting bummed out, like when we couldn't record certain songs, like we didn't have time or maybe it wasn't done yet or something. And I remember being bummed out a lot of times about stuff like that. But but yeah. it's, it's almost like a blessing when you do record it later because, you know, you've had time to like stew on it. And, Dude, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also, I have this like, this kind of abstract perspective where we can get weird for a second. Um, sure. Of, uh, okay, we'll get, we'll get, there's, there's a quote from, uh, Michelangelo, the, uh, you know, painter, sculpture, and he was basically the, 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 the Craig, the Craigslist, the, uh, um, the, the shorthand version of it was like, if you're looking at a, at a, at a, a thing you're going to sculpt, like a piece of, um, you know, whatever you chip away at, I can't think of the word right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and stone. he's like, he's like the, 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 yeah, the stone, you look at a stone. The sculptures, he, he said the sculptures in there and it's the artist's job to chip away all the parts that aren't, that don't belong there. Um, and, and writing is a different thing, but I actually, so I read that and it made sense to me because I feel like a good song, like every song is kind of waiting in, in the, the ether in like another dimension for you to pull out the pieces and put them all together correctly. Dude, that's exactly um, how I think about it. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's like, and it's easy to mess it up. You can easily grab the wrong piece and then the whole song is fucked, you know? Yep. But, but you, it's just something you can't explain when you just, you feel it when you pull all the pieces correctly and the song fits there finally. And it's like, it was always there. It was just waiting for you or someone to find it that, that day or whenever it gets found, you know? Yeah, man. Um, that's that's, I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah, dude. That, I totally. I thought that exact same thing. The, the 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 whole like chisel the statue thing. That's new to me, but that's it makes total sense. But like when it comes to like when you say uh, the the parts and the sounds and the pieces there in the ether, they're in, the, in like another dimension. God damn, I thought the exact <laughs> same thing, dude. Like, <clears throat> yeah, it's like it's it's like we're uh, it's like we're antennas, and totally you yeah. have to be locked into the frequency to to pick up on it you know yeah and it's, it's such a tedious thing though like you're saying with either time or distractions like you can easily get distracted and lose the frequency and then you just like wasted what could have been a really cool song <laughs> <laughs> exactly man exactly i mean <clears throat> how many songs have you written in the past that you actually released and you go god why did i do that or, or why didn't i do that you know why didn't i fix that why did i go there like there, i have so many songs like that no, totally, man. And I, I, uh, I started releasing stuff early enough that I had no shame a few years back, like taking, I, I literally like took songs off the internet that I had released because like, yeah, you know, my, my, my talent and patience wasn't there long enough for me to know that that song wasn't ready to be released yet. Um, I was just too impatient. And I released it. So like, you know what? I'm taking her down because she doesn't, she doesn't represent what I want, want to show to the world anymore. Wow. And have you, yeah. have you actually <clears throat> gone back, re-recorded or made changes and then put it back up again? No, honestly, I, I'm kind of a like 
burn bridges as I go kind of guy. And so I'm like, you know, like, that was that, uh, that song had its time. And this is, I'm talking like, you know, 10 years ago when I was like first releasing some stuff and just like figuring out what it meant to be an artist or and songwriter and stuff. And, and so, so I, I took them down and they are, you know, not dead to me, but they're in our, my, you know, in, in the vault somewhere, never to be seen again. Cause I got, I got, I got new shit. I want to show the world. That makes total sense. You're always, you're not looking back, you're moving forward and just always. Yeah. It can't be, can't be too precious, man. Cause there's, uh, as of now, at least I feel like I got more to say. So I'm, I'm all, I'm all for what's new and what's next. That's that great. being said, I'm, I'm happy with my music out now. I'm not, nothing else was going to come down. It was just that, that moment needed to disappear. <laughs> There's probably a few value songs that need to come down as well. <laughs> Ooh, dangerous talk. You're going to get the fans angry. I know, right? <laughs> no, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> See, they, they, there you go. Value fans, if you're listening. Buy the stuff now. That way, he takes it down. You'll still have it. Yeah, yeah. Then you can like sell it on eBay or something. That's right. great PR, actually. Do the like the Disney, you know, put it back in the vault until like five years later, and then Aladdin can come back out and they can buy it again. Why did I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> actually, had um, <clears throat> there's a thing happening right now, uh, or maybe the last couple of years. I think it's going to be more popular in a few years. Um, just the way that. The way the music industry, the music industry is, like you know, Weezer put out a whole cover record, um, and then like two months later they put out their new album, you know, of their own mm-hmm. their own stuff. But um, there was a band that uh, that Nick, our bass player, was showing me, um, uh, Silverstein actually. Um, they they went back. They did a greatest hits album, but instead of just taking the songs and put them on, putting them on a record, they re-recorded all the like their best songs. Um, really? Yeah. So like they took it's from like four albums. They took like three songs from four albums, like three songs each. And then mm-hmm. like that were like their biggest tracks or whatever mm-hmm. on those records. And they re-recorded them and released them as a greatest hits record um, with wow. like, yeah. And like they have the artwork from each of those four albums on the front, like a small version of it on each. And it like, and he was showing me comparison. He's like, well, listen to this. So he was, he showed me the original version from like the first album or whatever. And then he showed me the new one and it sounds so good. Cause I was never a fan of that band. And I was like, I even saw one of the videos recently. I was like, this is fucking terrible. Like, I don't know, but like <laughs> all the, the, the way they re-recorded it, you know, all the new gear and the, probably a decent producer and something like that. Um, all the tones, everything sounds really great. And it, it made me think like, ah, that's, that's interesting. Like I would totally be into do, doing something like that. Like, is it where the, are the arrangements different or is it just like sonically they, they recorded them better? Yep. It is. As far as I know, uh, the, the tracks that I heard front to back, same tempo, same everything, just redone and sounding way interesting. Better. Yeah. Um, and that's, I guess, cause I guess like people have been doing that with, you know, releasing live tracks. That's the same thing, right? You know, it, it's the same song, just, played differently because it's live right um so yeah I, I could see that that being a cool thing to do i remember as a kid thinking like i would love to hear like old green day records like the first two records like redone the way they do them now <clears throat> because the quality would be so much better and i th- I've always felt like a lot of those songs were really good they just never got like they never saw the light of day like the songs from dookie and, and everything else um yeah, yeah. and yeah uh, and re-recording them to m- make them feel current will give them another like 
make them more viable on, on whatever playlists or, you know, for younger generations to hear. And stuff. Yeah. You give them new life. And so yeah, I, yeah. I'm definitely like, I've been considering that in the back of my head. It's not like a, you know, it's not at the front of my mind or anything, but um, I'm definitely like, if we were ever, my dad always, always wanted us to put out a greatest hits record. I'm like, dad, we don't have any hits. We're not like a big band or anything. <laughs> um, he's like, I don't care. You should still do it. It'd be awesome. And so maybe that could be something like that'd be, that would be the approach. Cause to, it kind of like, I've always found greatest hits albums to be like boring. I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother getting that. Cause I just already have those songs, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. I already it's, know the song. Yeah. Especially nowadays, you know, with playlists, you know, we're not, we're not, taking CDs out and popping in other ones to hear the, the, the greatest hits. We're, we're making a playlist of all the best songs that we love. And we're just like, there's probably already a greatest hits playlist of your guys' stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure some, somebody's yeah. made that. So why not take the opportunity to, uh, you know, redo them and re revisit the tracks and, and try to make them better, you know, and yeah. um, something, something cool to think about. I think at the same time, there is like, there is something magical about the old recordings that, if you maybe tried to do it again, it might not have the same effect, you know? No, there, and I'm sure there's plenty of purists who will fight you on that also. It's like, you know, would you want, you know, Led Zeppelin to go back and re-record their stuff? It's like, well, no, because there's no way they're going to recapture, you know, those same feelings yeah. and, and, and emotions from those original performances. Um, I get that, but, you know, if you're doing it with the right mindset, it still could be a really cool thing. It's worth. It might be something worth chasing. Yeah, I mean, and and the the beautiful thing about you know home studios is that you can do whatever you want. Go ahead, record your record your last album all over again. You don't have to release it. You know, like totally, if, man. If, no one's gonna hear it but you until you want them to. Yeah, if it, if it sounds good and you get behind it, go for it. You know, so that's definitely something that's on my mind. Like it'd be it'd be kind of cool to go back to like the last like the first three or four records and, you know, pluck a song or two from those, you know? Yeah. Love that, man. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so <clears throat> when did you, uh, when did you start like actually writing for other people? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think it was right out of, um, so I went to college in Nashville. It took me a while to kind of like find the music I wanted to make. And I, I chalk a lot of that up to like, finding myself and like I kind of did a little bit of everything growing up and a little bit of nothing because of that. And I like, didn't really have like a direction. So I was, I found myself in Nashville wanting to do music. And like I said, there's kind of a strong culture of Nashville of like, if you're writing songs in Nashville, you are going to, and kind of need to write with other people. Um, so that was just kind of the natural thing. I had some roommates who were all making music. And so we would sit around like, playing songs to each other at night um, or during the day because we were all young and didn't really have real jobs yet anyways. We were just all dicking around, you know? Sure. And and then you start writing with each other. So it's kind of a very natural, like, thing. We just start writing and, and it becomes something you do as much as writing by yourself until the point, honestly, where it became, like, all I do now is, is co-write. Um, and... Either I have a producer, especially with, with, with my world, you know, being more in the pop world, um, there's usually a producer in the room who's working on a track as I'm writing a song and or writing a song with someone else while there's a producer in the room and, and just kind of became that thing. So it was probably like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago that I started um, writing for myself with other people and then writing for other people um, in the room. 
We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And we're back. This is my uh, conversation with my buddy Jeffrey James. And how did you uh, how did you go about like getting? I don't know because you're you're obviously working with people that you don't know as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if for someone that might be trying to get into the business songwriting, I mean, this is what this this whole show is about. This podcast. Sure. Um, what would you say for for someone that's trying to you know become a songwriter? Um, you know, yeah, should, how do they how do they find people to write for? Yeah, and should they move to Nashville? Should they move to LA, New York? Um, I think uh, I'll answer that last question first. Like the the I think moving to if you if you want to just be a songwriter specifically, like you need to be in Nashville or LA. Um, I I can't speak for New York personally. I know that most people I know who are making a living of it live in Nashville or LA. Um, there is a little bit in, in, in New York, but it's a lot more like kind of band centric or hip hop centric that I've seen out there, which those people are usually writing for themselves or with their, their own groups. Um, and there is that in Nashville and LA too, but there's a lot more of people doing, you know, five, six sessions a week where every day you walk into a room with someone you, you might know, someone, someone who might be brand new and you're writing a song either for them or for someone else. Um, and so starting out in Nashville, um, they have this really cool culture of things called uh, writer's round, where it might be in a cafe somewhere, it might be in the lobby of a hotel, or it might be in a bar. And it's, it's three people get on stage, and they each have three songs, and they take turns singing a song, um, and it's always songwriters. And, and there'll usually be a night where there'll be like eight rounds in a row of three songwriters performing a song, and you kind of just they're always free to do and, and kind of the, it was the easiest way for me coming out of college to get into that world and really test out my, my new music in a very like cheap way. You know, hmm. um, all you need is a guitar or a piano and then you just sing your songs and you figure out which ones people respond to. And, but what you usually end up doing in those is, um, you learn two things from it. One, it, it gives you thick skin because usually you're singing just to other songwriters who are kind of waiting for their turn to sing. <laughs> so, so you know, you grow thick skin because you're not always going to get the best responses. But you know that when a song does get a good response in that show, you know that's a good song. And then you got to like, okay, why is that a good song? How can I write more of those, you know? Yeah. Um, and then with that, that kind of started my initial network of songwriters because it was just people I, re- I met at those nights. I mean, at one point I was doing four or five writers rounds a week. I remember my senior year of college, I was doing like four or five writers around a week just in Nashville, just so I could meet new people and, and find, find a group of people to write for. Um, until I kind of had a good group that I liked and then you start writing for them and they start cutting some songs. Um, and then Fast forward, maybe five years later, I got my first pub deal. I was signed with Sony ATV. Um, technically, my deal was out of New York because it was pop stuff, but I was in Nashville writing. And then they, I had an A&R there who would set up rights for me. Be like, hey, you know, this, this artist is coming into town or this producer's here and we want to have you write with them. And it, then you either are writing for yourself or ideally for the other artist in the room. Um, and that's when people start hopefully using your songs and, and cutting them. And so, which brought me to this point where I'm back to being independent, but I kind of have this, a bigger network from being in publishing companies and, and writing in town for a bit where I, I'll, I'll fly to LA and I'll write for people or myself and I'll, or I'll be in Nashville and 
Um, I'm probably riding three, four times a week in sessions that are either usually at this point, especially with my EP being done, like right now I'm just writing for other people, hoping they uh, will cut the song. So interesting, man. Yeah, it's a weird world, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's funny. It's like, uh, what you were describing a couple of minutes ago. is like, uh, like, op- like industry open mic night. I mean, it really is. It really is. And I think that, you know, I don't do those writers rounds anymore, but it's still really a thing in town. Um, and obviously there's a huge country aspect to it where I was, I was always kind of stuck out because I was playing my songs around a bunch of other, like country artists. Um, and luckily I have a blues soul tinge to my stuff anyway, so it can kind of fit in that world uh, where I wasn't, I didn't stick out too much. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a really, it was, it was the best way I know. That's why anybody asks me how to keep doing it. It's just like, or how to start. It's like, you have to just get in, find where the free shows are and go play your music there. Um, cause you know, going to a networking event where people are just like bullshitting and talking, you're not going to like meet people who are going to want to work with you because no one knows what you can do. Right. You got to find ways to show off your talent. It's like, you know, I'm sure with your band, you know, the only way to get people to like you is for them to hear your music. Yeah, um, pretty much. So the biggest way I found was just like, where can I play for free and, and you know, and meet other people who, who want to do what I do. And that's, that's what I did. Was it very, um, was it, <laughs> you said you have to have thick skin, you know, it, it was a very, was it competitive in a way that like people weren't trying to, you know, applaud when the song was good you know what i'm saying like was it like yeah yeah, yeah. it was was it like that or was it or was there kind of like oh cool man that's good you know not, they're not necessarily there's gonna a use lo- it yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like a little bit of support it, yeah there's usually a little bit of support and it always helps if you had a friend or two there who would you know would watch you um but man i'm not gonna lie there were plenty of nights where it you know people are talking over you and everyone's just waiting for their turn in, <laughs> on the mic um, oh, I know man. one specific show, Brutal. um, a, a, a fellow co-writer, a friend of mine, Justin Halpin, who all he does is write songs. Now we, we kind of came up together right out of college. Um, and I've probably written a few hundred songs with him alone. Um, uh, either for practice or for release, he's, he's written a lot of stuff that's been on my last couple of records. Um, and, but we were playing a show where he was just playing, I was, we were both playing acoustic guitar and he was kind of my, you know, um, lead guitar guy, you know, playing this. We were doing four songs in a writer's round, um, but this was just us on stage, and then other people were going to get on after us. And we played, um, how many songs we played? We might have played six songs total. And it took about four songs before anybody even clapped. <laughs> and I was, that would have been the most, like, I, I still like have nightmares about that that night, I think. Oh, but I, gig. But that, yeah, it's the weirdest gig, but like you said, you grow thick skin. And so, you know, uh, you know, I think I got people laughing out there. So I started to make fun of them. Um, there you go. Because uh, I was just like, what else am I going to do? Like, I got to break up the silence somehow, you know? So I turned into like a comedian because it's like, all right. But, but because of that, I can play in front of any audience now. Um, you know, I'm sure you've had gigs that are weird and you learn and you grow from them because like I, it's like if I can do that show, then I can do anything else. Everything else is easy, you know. All the time, dude. Yep. Yeah. You learn. You learn something. You take away something from every performance. You know. Sure. And and I feel like you, you know, without being cliche, like you do learn more from the bad performances than you do from 
a really good performance. Right. You're right. You're right. They, like you, you, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, it's a good idea to like <clears throat> record yourself, like film yourself when you're starting out, because you can kind of see, you can look at your stage presence. You can look at how you're, you know, reacting to the crowd. Like, you know, Oh man, uh, there was, uh, maybe five years ago, uh, Bruce Springsteen was the keynote speaker at South by Southwest and they ended up like um, filming his speech and I watched it online. And at one point he talked about still practicing his rock poses in a mirror before he goes on stage. <laughs> and it's like, if that guy still has to practice, you know, and, and, and perfect his art and what it means to be performed, then like we all need to always be, you know, filming ourselves and, and, and looking in the mirror and listening to what we sound like and all that stuff, you know? Completely agree. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no excuse. <laughs> if yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And it's, it's the best way to do it. And I feel like in our world, people don't do that as much as they might if they were like an actor or something. Yeah. I mean, um, probably feels cheesy, you know, to a lot of people. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But you know, like, it's good. You got to look in the mirror, see what you look like, you know, throw your, put your guitar around, you make sure everything's look, you know, you got to look the part and just, um, I don't know. It's the struggle to be appealing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Some guys. Yeah. Well, it's about finding like what cram. looks natural for you on, it's not even about, even about like, some people are definitely putting on an act on stage, but like in our world, you know, even your, your and I world sort of are similar in that like, it's about being ourselves on stage, but honestly, you got to kind of like, work through what looks natural for yourself on stage. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's, that comes with practice of just doing it, but also like, like you said, filming yourself and like looking back and be like, I look really stupid doing that. So let's not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not moving enough, you know, or like, look at me, I'm just standing there, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Like it's, Absolutely, it's good man. to, good to critique yourself. It's just like, uh, you know, when, when football players watch the, watch the reel after the game, you know, they want to see what they did wrong they want to fix it. It's the same yes, thing. Man. Work, yeah, yeah. It's like work on your craft from every aspect, from from writing songs every day to <clears throat> playing or singing every day, even when you're not gigging. You know, keep you got to keep your your chops up and always. Try yeah, to be and improving. I think that pulling back pulling that back into songwriting, um, it's I think it, uh, with that comes the being able to tell yourself that just because a song is new doesn't mean it's the best song you ever wrote. You know, I yes. feel like everybody, when you start writing songs, you think everything you write is like this precious being that's so freaking good. Um, but it's like you said, with like the perspective, you need, well, yeah, perspective of coming back to it and be like, all right, what's wrong with the song, if anything? And also, at least in my world, where you're writing so much, it's realizing that like, maybe the song is not going to find a home and that's okay. And it, maybe it led me to the next song or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just important to just keep keep writing, keep moving forward, and um, you know, just, I'm I'm always trying to write the greatest song ever. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, dude, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. It's like that said, I don't ever force anything. Um, but that just means if I don't feel like it's there, then I'll just throw it aside. You know, and you can always come back to it later. Um, I was yeah. talking to a guy yesterday, actually. Uh, he's like. He wanted to challenge himself to write a song every day. And uh, he said he's written maybe two in the last three weeks or something like that. And I was like, making a challenge like that is, it, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I mean, it's a challenge for, for sure. Um, but it doesn't have to be 
don't put yourself in a, in a position where like necessarily you have to write a full song front to back every single day. Like it can be an idea that is the seed for something later. You know, like I have ideas all day, you know, I have riffs in yeah, my head yeah. and melodies all day. and like single, like one line of lyrics, you know, and I'll just grab the phone and sing it into my phone or, you know, grab my, I was going to say, man, my, my voice memo is full of, melodies and lyric ideas that come to my head that I, I like I know I have, I have to record them then I might not sit down with it then but I'll record it then knowing that I'm going to come back to it it's a cool idea yeah exactly and um and sometimes I'll listen back and I'm like Ugh, that's that's dumb <laughs> you know but, but it's important to get everything out whether it's awful or whether you think it's great you know just get it out because like I have this whole thing where I feel like I have to I have to like empty the the uh, the tank, you know, in order to like get new stuff to come in. Um, no, I, I completely agree. Cause you find yourself dwelling on this stuff. And like, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't ever sit down and like actually throw it down, even if it's just a second to, you know, 60 seconds into your phone, just humming this melody, you're going to, you're going to keep it in your head because you don't want to forget it. And then you, uh, it's just, that's how my mind works. You know, I always, I need to get it out and then I can move on and, you know, and, and like you said, you've got, you know, a folder or hard drive full now of just ideas. Yeah. 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 And then you get a pick from the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the opposite of that is, I don't know if you've ever heard the story that John Lennon apparently never recorded any, any idea he had when he first started, when he would start writing. And mm-hmm. his thought was that he would, if he, if he didn't remember it the next day, then it wasn't good enough. Um, <laughs> but I, I, that being said, I've never met a writer. I've met some like writers who are in the, you know, like the songwriting hall of fame and I, no one has the balls to do that. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I so, guess. Uh, I, yeah. When you're, when you're yeah. John Lennon, you know, you can afford to be cocky like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. But, uh, yeah, that's, I, I heard that and I was like, that sounds horrible. And that scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, I've had uh, countless hit records that will never see the light of day because I was too lazy to wake up, you know, get up out of bed and strum the guitar. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely, man. Or the worst is like you you wake up and you do try to sing something into your phone and then you're half asleep. So when you wake, I wake up the next morning and like, it's just like utter, I can't even tell what I'm mumbling, you know, cause I'm trying to be quiet so I don't wake up my wife and like, and then I'm like, well, that could have been a hit song and I'll never know now because yeah. I was being too polite, you know? <laughs> I know. I, I know. That's one of the worst things when you actually do record it, you take the time, you know, because a lot of times I'll, I'll be going to bed or I'll wake up, you know, to pee or something um, and I'll have an idea just hit me. It just comes whenever. And then like, I'm too lazy to go grab the guitar, grab the phone, go downstairs and sit down there for a minute and just do it and then go back to bed because I just want to get back to bed. And then I completely forget the next day. So when I actually do remember to record it and I, I, I do it and then I do it in a way that I can't decipher it later, that's just super frustrating. <laughs> yes, man. I totally get that. Oh, man. Um, yeah, a life. I am. So, Basically, what we're saying is none of us are John Lennon. Yeah, so. yeah. Never, ever be. We'll never be that. Um, yeah, great. Great. That's a ending on a high note. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Kill yourself. <laughs> Not um, worth it. Uh, so I did want to ask you, um, I wanted to talk about um, the, uh, the Sony deal for a little bit, if, if you wouldn't mind. I thought sure, that man, was very yeah. interesting. Um, what is that life like? What is it? Um, is it something that 
can sustain you? Is that something you can do forever? Um, is that something that, I mean, were you at the time, were you happy doing that? Was it fulfilling? Yeah. At the time it was really good for me. Um, you know, on, obviously at one, you know, in, in one aspect, in a, in a very like, um, non-artistic aspect, I was, you know, getting a paycheck from them. You know, I, I, uh, you get that, that front end, uh, amount of money that then ideally they are going to recoup from you. Um, but you know, if you don't pay it back, then, then you're, you're not on the hook or anything, but it was, so it was nice to have that kind of like for sure steady income that you knew this month I was going to have X amount of dollars that I didn't have to worry about that. And then I could focus on everything else in my career, you know? Um, and the other good thing about it was um, that that they were opening up a network of writers and producers that I never would have met without them. Because, you know, specifically Sony ATV is the biggest publishing company in the world, um, if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, I mean, they have writers all over the world, you know, and then specifically L.A. and New York and Nashville and London and, and anywhere. So anyone that was coming into town who worked with Sony, my, my A&R guy there, you know, would try to set up a right with me and them. So then I got to meet those people. So when I left Sony, I had that, that extra kind of Rolodex of, of people that I could connect with on my own. Um, and if it's, a, so I'm not sure if it's a sustainable thing or not. It just depends on the writer. Cause, um, what, what the issue with me being with Sony specifically was that I was kind of, you know, it's the biggest, like I said, biggest publishing company in the world means they have the most, writers and producers in the world that work under them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of a small, a very small fish in a very large ocean trying to get my name out there and my songs pitched to big artists. Mm -hmm. Um, and we ended up getting some, some, some artists to cut my songs. It was, it was like a, a major label artist in, in Italy and, um, in Australia, um, got these DJs in Norway to cut a song that I had written. And some cool things like that, but nothing like, you know, no Bruno Mars or, or those kind of like major, major artists. Mm -hmm. And so it, it didn't, in the end, didn't make sense for me to keep going with that, knowing that, that they kind of, it literally with, with that deal that, you know, they, they own your songs, everything up to you wrote, everything you wrote up until the point when I left them is now owned by Sony and will always be co-owned by Sony and, and myself basically. Wow. Um, so saying it like that, that sounds really sad, but I, I will say like, it was, you know, in the same way of not being too precious with your music, like it, it, it the, the clout you have of writing with a publishing company is something it's hard to get on your own. Um, and, and the network that I, that I, I was really able to, to kind of leave Sony with this at a, at a higher level than I came in because I had met so many other producers and writers who then knew who I was. And I was able to, so work with them and, and meet other people through that. Um, so leaving Sony, I was, I was happy to be independent again for a bit, just so I could like build up my own catalog and see what I could do with the people I know now. What could I do with songs that I fully own on my own? And which is where I'm at now. Yeah. <clears throat> so you yeah. say overall, um, it was a positive thing for you as a stepping stone. Yeah. 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 I, th I think you have to go into it, not expecting your world to change you know, that much, that drastically. The only thing that's going to change is that you might have um, a little bit of more money in your pocket for the time being. Um, and then you have to work your ass off still within there to get, to get your songs cut. Cause you know, 
think about, I can't even tell you how many songwriters are in Nashville and LA all pitching to every other artist who's trying to release a song who doesn't, and you got to, you know, artists who specifically don't write for themselves or write for themselves, but are also looking for other, other songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a hard game to play. Um, but as long as you go into it with the right mindset of like, all right, me signing this deal is not what's going to sustain my career or, or get me famous or whatever it is you're looking for. It's that me signing this deal is going to get me, you know, maybe two more steps up on, on, on the ladder, two more rings up on the ladder that I can, that I can use to hopefully, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, uh, open up your network, widen up the circle. Yeah. 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 And then honestly, you know, for those people who are more pragmatic, it is, it was the most like steady income as a musician I've, I've ever had in, in a, that like, I knew exactly how much I had coming in. Cause I'm sure you can, you can, um, say too, even when you're doing well, you know, things, what, how much money is coming in changes from month to month a lot of times. Oh yeah. It's different all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's, and that's the world we live in. And I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're fine with that. That's why we keep doing it, but not everybody can, uh, not everybody can, can handle that. Yeah. You have to make a choice early on. Mm-hmm. You have to decide, <laughs> do you want to live, you know, in the dirt for a long time and don't expect anything to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen many, uh, many musician friends leave the music industry because everybody has their breaking point where they, they, they are tired of, you know, the, the race and the hustle of where's my money coming in. Um, and a few of us crazy people stay in it, though. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> myself, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how, what was it, the, um, how did the, the Sony deal come about? Was it like a, was it a manager that introduced you to someone, or did you happen to meet someone at a, you know, a conference or in it passing? It was, I can't remember if it was through, I think it was through my lawyer, actually. Okay. Um, um, there was a, a new guy in town who was, you know, specifically sent to Nashville, Sony, Nash, Sony ATV Nashville offices to do pop rock music, which was kind of a newer thing on the industry side of, of Nashville. And um, he knew he was connected with my lawyer and he came out and met my lawyer and a manager at a show. So like a lot of things in the music industry, it was kind of just good timing. He came out, liked the show, we got along really well, and then he got the green light to sign me. And so there was a there was then probably like a six months of contract stuff going back and forth. Um, yeah, it's a big company. Where <laughs> yeah, big company and they're all their lawyers, you know, going doing however many contracts at the same time. So um, long process there, but it was that was that was actually the most simple thing I've ever had happen in the music industry, where it was the good timing of him coming into town with with me having some shows and releasing some music right then, and uh, got connected with the right people. Yeah, that's great. So that was, like I said, you know, after five, six years of me hustling it on my own uh, completely independently up until then. Yeah, you got to be you got to be out there working, man, grinding for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and getting my 10,000 hours in of all that, like getting my talent to the right point that when the publisher finally found me, I was good enough that he wanted to sign me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I think about it, at least. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, we had like this, we had this thing come through publishing is, uh, is interesting because like we had this, uh, this company wanted to use our song, one of our songs for a compilation album. Uh, we let, we let them use it. Um, and it was cool. Mm -hmm. Got got a lot of, uh, a lot of listens, streams, whatever. Um, 
and uh, and then they approached us about uh, actually uh, licensing the song um, under their their publishing house. And uh, so you know it was it was interesting. I was I definitely had, I considered it. I looked at it, um, and it was over a few weeks. And uh, ultimately, I decided. No, we're not going to do that. Because it was like uh, Randy, actually, our, our manager, um, one of our managers, um, he was on the phone with me and he's, he's like, he said, I don't know, man, this is like, um, they, they want, you know, they want the song for 15 years. And, and that's just how publishing works, you know. You, I mean, you know. But uh, I'm speaking mostly to the, the listeners here. But, um, and it was like 15 years and uh, they were going to give us like three grand up front and then I think the split was like I don't know 70 30 or something like that sure on and, the back end after, and that's after they make that three grand back yeah 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 and yeah. so I thought about it and I was like all right you know because you always want to look at the bright side the, the you know the possibilities the potential you go okay well they're gonna pay us this money they're gonna have the song and you know if they pitch it right maybe it'll get into a movie or you know and then and then that three that three grand and that that cut will seem like chump change you know um but uh you know because it uh, sinks is pretty much where it is these days like you know tr trying to make money uh, as a band but like um that's like almost impossible and so sure. and so i was like we ended up deciding like well we don't need three thousand dollars right now like it's not gonna kill us to not do this deal you know but <laughs> I'm going to be in my fifties when I get this song back. <laughs> like, like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it was just, it, it's not, it, it ended up being like, this is going to be a situation where they take it, they don't do anything with it and it just sits there and they collect all the money. And we've been in situations like that before and had to wait the nine or 10 years to get it back. And it's awful, you know, and yeah. to, to think yeah, about, yeah. to think about what you, what you could do with that money, you know, from the, the royalties and stuff to put it back into the band, back into the music, rather than just give it all away to somebody that wasn't there from the beginning. Um, so definitely, if, you know, if, if any of you out there are artists and this ever comes about, you need to consider everything and really decide if this is what you want. And just don't take the, you know, what seems like big money. You don't need to take it. You know, if you're desperate and you need some money and this is the only way, maybe that's the way to go. But, you know, don't don't sign your stuff away forever for or, you know for years and years and years it's just decades you know you just never know yeah, yeah yeah i think it's worth um making sure from every angle that it's the right thing mm -hmm. um it's not always worth like you said it goes back to what i said about like generally it's not going to make or break you to do that so is it worth giving the song away it's not it's not gonna yeah you're not gonna like immediately get famous or successful from signing a deal like that. Like you said, the odds of your song being used were probably one in a million, you know, because there's zero so many people guarantees. pitching for sync these days. Yeah. There's zero guarantee in that world. Um, so yeah, it's, it's worth, it's worth taking the time to re realize if it's really going to be worth what that song means to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that song and like, it's, it's one of our top songs and I'm just like, you know, like I'd rather just, you know, take the money that's coming in and put it back into the music, you know, sure, put it back into the career. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you got to think too, like when, when uh, you're getting deals like that, like thrown at you, 
when they come out of nowhere, that it's, it's almost like a validation that you're on the right track. And you just take that and you go, okay, sweet. Now I know that, you know, and you just move forward. You don't have to take every deal, you know, and it's just more like a, we, well, we got a lot of, um, uh, record labels approaching us in the early 2000s, like major labels at the time, DreamWorks and J Records, some others. And it, de- it never worked out. And I'm glad it didn't because my band probably would have been broken up. And I, I would not, not have known how to handle myself with money and any kind of fame back then. But um, like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just a totally different person now. But like, um, it just didn't work out. And as when I look back, I was I was bummed at the time. I was really upset about things because it just felt like we were right there and it just never happened and um but it was being approached that many times it felt like okay well then we must be doing something right you know yeah yeah it's a great way of taking it yeah so we don't need to we don't need this deal right now something will come along later or as it's turned out i mean the playing field has been leveled with streaming you know and we have our own label so we do what we want and we make most of the money, you know, after paying distributor and things like that. Sure. Absolutely. It's just, uh, so I'm, I'm in a, I'm my only thing I'm in right now is I have a, I have a TV film, uh, sync deal out of, out of LA. Um, but what it is, they don't own any publishing or master rights or anything. They just get an initial cut of anything that gets placed. Mm. Um, so I'm still owning all, kind of the best situation that's for that. a great <laughs> deal <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, i still own everything and i get any royalties from it and they take a, a, a small percentage off the top basically of any initial payments for a sink so it's one of those the best deals you can make is like the you know they don't make money unless you make money kind of thing yeah so maybe it, make, um, it inclines them to hustle absolutely absolutely and uh, i think last year um i got five four or five initial sinks and, and i'm actually Tailoring some of my, you know, tailoring some of my music this year for that world. I have friends. Um, I had a friend who, who, all he does now is write money, write songs for sync, and he's got it locked in so much. They had like thirty-five syncs last year. Wow. Um, just with his music, um, and it's a funny world where it's 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 less about being creative and more about writing a song in a specific way, knowing that that's the kind of song they're looking for. Um, it's a whole other kind of songwriting where it's literally, it's pretty prescriptive, you know, where it's like, um, they might want a big bluesy, you know, if you listen to enough TV shows and really pay attention to the music, you can figure out quickly what kind of music's being used, you know? Yeah. Um, like if I said they want a song like the black keys, like everyone's heard at least one black keys type song on any TV show you ever listen to, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you get good enough at writing, you can kind of tailor the music to that. And then it's pretty, still nothing's ever guaranteed, but you have the right people pitching it and you can get some good stuff. Um, yeah. That's a, so that's kind of the, the situation I'm in now where I, I do a little bit of that, but it's mostly there. They're pitching my music, which is great. And, and like I said, I own all the stuff. Um, I, I own all the publishing and the mastering. So, so it, when it works out, which it has recently, it, you know, it's the best, best outcome. That's great, man. That's a really good, uh, Really good deal right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, you talk about somebody, I guess your buddy had 35 sinks last year. I think we've had three in the last 13 years. <laughs> you know, sure. It's not sure. easy. It's definitely not easy. Well, again, like you're, you're writing for a more creative 
you know, stance where you're writing Ballyhoo music for Ballyhoo for yourself and for your fans, where right. it's like what he's writing is stuff that, you know, may not even be released. It's just, it's just for the idea that they're going to take 30 seconds of this song and put it on a TV show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a weird, uh, it's a different world from what most people would think of songwriters or bands would do. Yeah. It's actually a pretty common strategy these days. Um, that I'm sure is going to yeah, grow yeah. is, uh, like getting, um, for playlists, like you'll, you'll, you can have, you can reach out to like, uh, some big playlists, then, I mean, big or small, whatever. And you can you know, like find the person that, that curated it and say, Hey, what kind of music are you looking for? And then you could write a song specific specifically for that and then s- submit it to them, you know, and in, in with the chances of maybe getting picked up on it. Um, sure. yeah, it's, there's people that do that now. It's very interesting. Yeah, that's so crazy, right? And it, it's initially, I feel like if you're a purist, you want to like fight against that. But right, I think it's 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 as good as any other music you're writing because what's the point of of making your music if if no one ever hears it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so if you can make if you can make something like that and still be you know satisfied in your soul and your creative soul, then I think that's as good as any, any other music you can make. Yeah. I mean, I would look at it. It's just, just another form of art. Like you're just, you know, you're just being creative and, you know, maybe this is something that can help you make a little bit of money to, to keep things going. You know, it's, you know, um, it's just, it's all totally, art man. to me, you know? I mean, shoot, the original, like we can go really far back and like some of the original classical composers were, you know, they had aristocrats, aristocrats, who they had live in that guy's house and every day someone, that guy would pay them to write a song for them. And now those guys are like known as, you know, the highest form of classical composers when all they were doing was just writing music that was, they were told to write, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's really, if you're going back that far to like what is pure music or whatever, like it's, it's the exact same thing that's happening today. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a lot of fun though at the end of the day. It's just it's a it's a wonderful creative outlet. It's it's just um I don't know, it conv- conveying emotions, putting it into song form and then having people sing the words back to you at a show or or you know, have people post on Instagram like with with your song in the background. It's just it's like huge, you know. It's an amazing feeling. It's my favorite thing in the world for sure. Yeah. Um well, I know you got to get going here, man. But um, where can uh, where can everybody find you on on the on the on the webs? On the interwebs. On the interwebs, yeah, man. man. Uh, you know, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Just look up Jeffrey James, J E F F R E Y. Um, actually, had a new song released last week um, with uh, it's uh, actually a duet with a friend of mine, Megan Davies, who's uh, pretty big on the YouTube sphere, but. Uh, um, and then we got some new, I got some new DJ top lines coming out soon. And then mid to late summer, my, my London EP, actually what it's called the East London EP is, is releasing. So stay tuned. Great, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to link to your stuff in, in the uh, podcast captions and all that. Um, it's going to be that. available everywhere. Yeah. Dude, Jeffrey, it's great to talk to you, man. We got to hopefully get together and write some songs again soon. Dude, totally, Howie. I appreciate you know, reaching out to me. Yeah, you got it, man. Well, uh, have a wonderful day and I'll uh, hope to talk to you sooner than later, man. Hey, friends, yeah. All right, there we go. I told you he was great. Such a nice guy, right? 
Um, seriously, check him out when you get a chance. JeffreyJames.com. He's all over the Insta webs, uh, YouTube, everything. Um, I'll have links to his stuff in the description. Give him a follow. Say what's up. Um, once again, thank you to all the supporters of Tales from the Green Room podcast. Um, I've got t-shirts and stuff available. Uh, if you go to TalesFromTheGreenRoom.com, um, you should be able to see some stuff there. Uh, HowieSpangler.com actually is what it was. Sorry. How, HowieSpangler.com. There's a link to the store. Uh, some cool, uh, I got the little pineapple guy on some shirts, some hoodies, things like that. Um, iPhone cases, you know, all that fun shit. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you listening. And I'm going to try to make these little, little closer together next time. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you later.